1: well welcome back wednesday november 1st 2023 i am seth leapson it's good to have mr bill back to my west it's good to have uh grasshopper young david doll my producer to my north and uh, miss terry uh to his septent 602 960 for the rest of you and um happy to have you call in uh anything on your mind uh truly and i um if I know something about it, we'll have a great discussion. If I don't, I'll let you know <laughs> I don't know much about it, and you can you can educate me. Did you have a good Halloween, David?
2: Yes, actually, I watched the game, uh, which was exciting but had a sad conclusion. Of yeah. course,
1: right? Rain- Rainy um, day in Mudville, as they say. Do you know that poem, Casey, Casey at the Bat? I don't. You don't know Casey at the Bat? Maybe. Oh yeah. During the break, you Uh-oh. look up. Yeah, it's a it's an Uh-oh. American classic
2: an american classic just like america's pastime baseball well yeah uh, Uh uh-oh uh-oh you know
1: you're with me bill aren't you we're not right you know casey at the bat of course you do um i so i had a i i put all my candy outside Mm -hmm. because i didn't want dagny to be disrupted by her greatest enemy the doorbell And uh, Mr. Bill, you don't know this, but I had a sign that went with it that David helped me with the graphics. It was um, Snoopy and uh, the Great Pumpkin was the imagery. And the sign said, Happy Halloween. Help yourself be judicious.
2: (laughs) And uh, (laughs) why are you snickering about it? I still chuckled at the fact that many young children probably did not know what judicious Do you know how much candy was taken?
1: Zero candy. Candy was taken. Oh, zero Zero candy. Now, that may have been because I left all the lights out. That may have been. But in years past, in years past, that would have been occasion for the first part of the phrase. Trick. <laughs> That's the point. Isn't it trick or treat? Do people even remember what trick or treat means? Do you know what it means, David? It means your house would get defaced if you didn't have candy. Get
2: egged. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah, egged or toilet papers in the trees and that kind of thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm not asking that we bring this back necessarily. I'm just reminding that that's what once would have happened. We've
2: got a year to start the campaign. I
1: don't think we need to do it. We have enough. (laughs) We have enough. Enough problems. Vandals. Yeah, but
2: I was up north of here. It was uh I don't know if you've ever been between Seventh Ave and Fifteenth Ave between Glendale and Northern, but in most of those neighborhoods the roads are closed off by a traffic cone and the cars all park around them and lots of children can walk freely throughout those neighborhoods and I was up there and I <laughs> I was passing out candy. I was at a friend's house, we passed out over six hundred pieces, but I also went through uh went through a haunted house in someone's garage
1: yeah okay i mean i i i I thought you might because this is a holiday for you know people who are aged basically three to eight and basically 19 to 26 this is that that's who the holiday is for so i thought you might be right in your sweet spot I was in a similar neighborhood, actually. I, I did abandon, uh, abandon a ship last night. I was in a similar neighborhood. And it's, a, it's an endearing thing to see these young kids doing this in these neighborhoods where you can do this. Uh, Casey at the Bat, uh, young David, uh, was written by Ernest, Ernst Lawrence Thayer. Who uh, graduated summa cum laude from Harvard? I'll have you know, as a as as a as a poet, back when that meant something. Um, back back when you could get a good education, uh, at Harvard and uh, still like America. I I would be surprised that you don't know elements of that poem. Um, it's um, you 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 know that you don't know the the phrase "There's no joy in Mudville," young David. I've never heard that phrase. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Okay. Did we? Was that call important? Was it corrective? Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, I did want to weigh in on something that I was thinking about and talking about with y'all yesterday. That discussion about what has happened to this country. And we were raising, I got a lot of people asking me for the name of the book again. Um, Mao's America is the name of the book. It just came out yesterday. By uh, Z Van Fleet or Z Van Fleet X I is how she spells her first name Z I think is how you pronounce it Z Van Fleet F L E E T Mao's America, and it's really about the importation of Maoist Marxist thought here in America, and I think it explains a great deal of our current goings on here in America. Um, not Thayer, but another political philosopher, another philosopher, uh, political philosopher, uh, more contemporary, Leo Strauss. He said this. He issued his concern vis-à-vis socialist thought in the 1950s when he wrote about where we were becoming as a country in America, even after having defeated national socialism as a political entity abroad just a few years before. He could write, now would not be the first time that a nation defeated on the battlefield and, as it were, annihilated as a political being, has deprived its conqueror of the most sublime fruit of victory by imposing on him... The yoke of its own thought, his point close quote his point was that though we defeated national socialism abroad, we were not able to impose Western thought on our defeated and instead were slowly importing their thought of nihilism here, right uh, We had been deprived of the most sublime fruit of victory, imposing our yoke of thought on them instead, nihilism was imposed or imported here. We might have said the exact same thing in 1989, after the fall of the Berlin Wall, Though we may have defeated Soviet-style Marxism militarily and as a political entity in Europe. The ideology ran increasingly deep here with an adherence that was ever-growing, particularly in our universities, and now clearly far, far deeper down. Soviet-style Marxism is generally out primarily because Russia is now seen as a thing of the right, which is a misunderstanding of things, but there it is. Um, But Maoism, uh, Maoism Marxism is in, and um, I believe it is imposing Maoist Marxist thought, is imposing uh, its thought on us and not our thought on it. I remember, for example, in the 1990s when we were debating PNTR, what was called Permanent Normal Trade Relations back then. One of the most salient and, unfortunately, I think, ignored warnings came from Gary Bauer. You will remember him in the firing line debate on this issue, uh, who put it that in, it put it that his concern of our opening more and more trade with China will change us more than it will change China. Uh, and how could it be otherwise? Really, China has a strong and hardened belief in their formative and foundational ideology, uh, and all we do is self-destroy ours let's make no mistake about what China is. They tell us right up front in their constitution's preamble. I'll read it to you. The successes of China's socialist cause have been achieved by the Chinese people of all nationalities under the leadership of the Communist Party of China and the guidance of Marxism, Leninism, and Mao Zedong thought. Close quote. Wordy, but it's there. And just so the point does not get forgotten, they repeat, because they believe repetition is the essence of pedagogy, or at least, I suppose, ideology. Quote, under the leadership of the Communist Party of China and the guidance of Marxism, Leninism, and Mao Zedong thought, the Chinese people of all nationalities will continue to adhere to the people's democratic dictatorship and follow the socialist road, close quote. This is uh, your dictatorship of the proletariat right there in the Chinese Constitution. So why do I say I worry about them exporting their ideology or our eager importation of it? Well, as we were quoting from Zevan Van Fleet yesterday, just look at the Cultural Revolution in China under Mao and look at what is taking place in America. Let me go to another scholar. One Dr. Forrest Marion wrote, quote, in recent years indoctrination... And anti-American propaganda has spread from new, numerous universities to public schools in America. The indoctrination of children under critical race theory's influence in the last several years reminded Jivan Fleet of what she witnessed growing up in Mao's China. Quote, the communist regime used the same critical theory to divide people. She stated, the only difference is that they used class instead of race. This is indeed the American version of the Chinese Cultural Revolution. Close quote. Go back a little further in time; we could have seen this happening, and I want to do so when we return on the other side of this break. I just thought it was worth putting this thought back into the conversation. Here, we were with the Hallmans yesterday talking about uh, three uh, dangerous regions. Each of um, each of the three of us having specialized knowledge. In each one of them, Louis more so on China, Hugh more so on Europe and Russia, and, um, and, uh, and, and I on the Middle East. And so I don't want us to forget the threat from Asia, which I believe is more ideological than military. We'll be right back. The outlook wasn't brilliant for the Mudville Nine that day. The score stood 4-2 to two with but one inning more to play. And then when Cooney died at first and Barrows did the same, a sickly silence fell upon the patrons of the game. Do you know this? You do know this poem, right, Mr. Bill? Yeah, of course you do. Of course you do. And then that's why we say when you know the home team loses, there's no joy in Mudville. It ends. Oh, somewhere in this favored land... The sun is shining bright. The band is playing somewhere, and somewhere hearts are light. And somewhere men are laughing, and somewhere children shout. But there is no joy in Mudville, for the mighty Casey has struck out. You got that one, Grasshopper? All right. Daniel is in Hello, Daniel. Are you there? Hello? Hello, hello? Daniel, are you there? Are you possibly on mute once, twice? I'll put you back on hold and see if David can get to you. Uh, I was talking about China. In 1973, an article in Asian Survey, which was published at UC Berkeley, not a conservative stronghold then or now, the author author described the... um, The author described the Chinese corrective labor camps even back then um, and the methods of inmates' thought reform. Repeated minor problems can lead to cadre warnings and to a demand that the inmate in question write a a self-examination essay, something called Xin Tao Chu, confessing his failings, forced confessions. Um, who will deny that American universities and other institutions now practice this concept in the form of so-called white privilege and other exercises? In another Asian survey piece, by the way, Julia, Juliana Pennington Hazlett wrote, quote, Bands of young rebels roved Chinese cities, destroying ancient relics, accosting citizens wearing Western or bourgeois clothing styles, and renaming buildings and streets. Tung feng hung, the East is Red. Note, although rebels against civilization, they were doing the bidding of the constituted authorities. Who will disagree that countless American cities, and citizens, and universities, and other institutions, including reviled, defunded police departments whose officers risk their lives daily uh, attempting to maintain law and order, have experienced exactly this kind of treatment at the hands of naming and renaming commissions and Black Lives Matter and Antifa or other poisonous entities? There's so much more here in the Cultural Revolution, as we were talking about yesterday. Mao Zedong tried to rid China of the four olds: old ideas, old culture, old customs, old habits. And recent New York Times book review says this: "Quote under Xi Jinping, China's top leader, efforts to suppress this history have intensified, with troubling implications for the political health of the country at a time when it looms larger than ever on the world." stage. Pamela Paul writes, high school textbooks in China now reduce the cultural revolution to just a few short paragraphs, and that the country, as a result, is, quote, ethically hollow, with a numb passivity, an absence of conscience, a sickness of the soul, close quote. She writes that, quote, the moral decline there is more of a severe problem than even poverty or crime, close quote. We should think about that. We should think about that. Moral decline, more of a severe problem than poverty or crime. Shall we try Daniel one more time? Hi, Daniel.
3: Well, good afternoon, Seth. I apologize if I didn't come through that first time. No,
1: that's all right. It could have been on our end. Who knows? It doesn't matter.
3: Well, you know, I was listening to you kind of talk about uh, some of these, uh, I guess they would be uh, ways of going about things in China. Yeah. And uh, it occurred to me, my wife and I recently about a year ago pulled our children out of public schools because of all the nonsense that's going on.
1: Mm
3: -hmm. I just couldn't support it. Uh, Not that I feel that Arizona schools are in any way insufficient other than uh, I just kind of saw the the writing on the wall, if you will.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: Now, this seems like it would have been put into motion long ago, what's happening here in America. And I don't understand if this is a plan if somebody came up with this one night while they were sleeping or what but how could this have manifested itself so quickly i know it's been over years but at the same time who would be so insidious to do this
1: it's such a great question first of all i love that expression the writing on the wall you know where that comes from <laughs> Right. Uh, no, yeah. It's a, if I'm not mistaken, it comes from the Bible. It was uh, Nebuchadnezzar was uh, shown the writing on the wall, which was M- many, many tekel a which means you have been weighed in the balance and found wanting. Not great. You've been weighed that in the balance great. and found wanting the writing on the wall. <clears throat> um, so, Daniel, I tend to think I know a lot of people think that this was some grand plan. I tend to think that, as some wit once put it about bankruptcy, it starts slowly and then moves quickly, or then ends. Uh, yeah, it starts slowly and then moves quickly. I think it did start slowly. I don't think it was particularly a grand plan, so much as I think that the, there were. The, this is what liberalism has led to, and liberalism, you know, starts uh, without any. Uh, without any foundational or serious guardrails, keeps drifting further left and further left because it has no uh, no controlling mechanism here, no, um, no, as I say, foundational doctrine belief. It's open to anything, so to speak, so long as it's not conservative. And over time, you know, I don't think people necessarily think, oh, let's go march for Mao Tung's thought. I think they're thinking, well, you know... Um, this sounds like a good idea, and as it turns out, Marxism has intoxicated a lot of people over the over the course of its history. A lot of people, it is an intoxicating doctrine, and uh, it's 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 so intoxicating that people may not realize that that's what they're doing to themselves. I don't think these young people understand Marx. I don't think they understand it at all. But what they understand is that it's anti-American and hip. And we've somehow made these ideas in vogue. In fact, Teen Vogue itself, a magazine, is one of the biggest promoters of the celebration of Marx. Um, But, you know, I think William Buckley once put it this way, Daniel. He said, America, most historians teach us, has sought to avoid the extremes, to be flexible without resembling silly putty, to be principled without being arch." I think our country is not clearly enough avoiding the former extreme. I think she is in danger of losing her identity, not on account of the orthodoxy that we are being told in some quarters threatens to suffocate us, but for failure to nourish any orthodoxy at all. Well, you can have two competing orthodoxies here, and one is uh, Marx uh, or socialism, and one is, on the other hand, uh, constitutionalism. Those are the two. And people will flock to the strong horse. To quote, you know who. And right now, constitutionalism, the West, we've broken that bottle. It's the weak horse, and people are following the strong one. That's what I tend to think. Back to the Seth Leibson Show six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. A dear listener uh, just emailed. Uh Saying he's listening to a 1027 show and asked if Dagny was doing okay. I remember that. Sure, of course. Dagny's doing great. Thank you for asking. Um, this is her weather. She loves the cooler weather. So whatever that thing was, it was a hopefully a one-off. Yeah, so she's doing just fine. Thank you for inquiring. Dwayne is in Phoenix. Hello, Dwayne.
3: Well, hello, Seth. How are you
1: today? I'm fine. How are you?
3: I'm, I'm wonderful. I'm wonderful. Um, I, I, uh, what I'm about to tell you will definitely shake things up. Um, back in 2007 to 2009, I was a regular caller on, on the J.D. Hayward show. And uh, the last day that he was on, I believe it was – December 28, 2009, uh, he'd let me share what I'm going to tell you today. Um, What I told back then was a quote from a famous evangelist from 1975. And she came out onto the stage at at the Las Vegas Convention Center on May third, nineteen 1975, and said this to the audience. She said there would come an hour when the United States of America would have a president and a vice president who is not elected by the people. She went on to say that you will know that this time has come when, as it says in Ezekiel 38 in the Bible, Gog and Magog will come down into the north of Israel. That happened when Trump oldest out of Syria, she went on to say that they're going to go down after the oil that's underneath the Dead Sea. Do you realize that right before the beginning of the Ukraine war, Christian-owned, Dallas-Texas-based Zion oil and natural gas found what is purported to be one of the largest natural gas finds in the Dead Sea? In Israeli territory, and that's when the famous picture of Putin, the Chinese president, the president of Turkey, uh, the uh, prince of Saudi Arabia, the uh, the president of Iran posed arm in arm with that picture. When the Turkish president said they're going to come for that gas,
1: I, I I suppose I don't.
3: That was cute. That was Catherine Coleman's quote from 1975, May 3rd, 1975. Uh, it was a miracle in the desert crusade. You can still get a still uh, uh, get that video. You can see for yourself what she said okay. in 1975. Okay, and it's all taking place today.
1: Well, you know what? Um, thank you, Dwayne. I, you know, there's, there's, <laughs> yeah, I. Um... I guess I want to. I want to. I, I would put it this way: you you can go back through so many interesting speeches and predictions, and 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 find them equally relevant and equally irrelevant. Right? I mean, I, how many? I was at a speech Tucker Carlson gave a couple weeks ago, and uh, he was talking about how, um, in his experience, he's he's often given. Uh, he's often been given, you know, predictions of uh, when the last day on Earth will be, and I, he said something to the effect of, "You know, you do it, you know, frequently enough, one day you'll be right." But um, I, 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 I'm sure there's a lot in that speech. I, I don't know anything of it, but that's fine. There's a awful lot I don't know a lot about. The thing that has struck me as so prescient and what reminds me of so many things that were called right was something Paul Harvey did uh back in the 1960s um titled if i were the devil and uh maybe we maybe that's worth revisiting maybe that's worth revisiting he's certainly more well known i think i think than the um the the uh, speaker you're you're talking of but you know send me the speech i'd be i'd be curious to see it i'm always interested in in history, and I'm always interested in historical predictions and analogs. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine Did you know that person or of him a little bit? Uh, did you know of Paul Harvey? Do you remember Paul Harvey? Of course you do. Yeah, you do. And um a few years back and just thinking about that previous call the thing that struck me as so prescient is some years ago someone told me I should listen to his uh, broadcast called the fire with the devil which i think had been broadcast in a few different iterations 1965 might have been the most the latest or the most famous of them do you have do you have a taste of it uh, young david are we able to pull that up is there a version of it that's playable arable? yeah sure you want the to devil do?
4: soon i could evict god from the courthouse then from the schoolhouse and then from the houses of
1: congress that's that's good and that's fine david that's enough i it's um it's it's amazing the prussians isn't it it's amazing i would encourage schools to refine young intellects but neglect to discipline emotions just let those run wild until before you knew it you'd have drug sniffing dogs and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. I've had churches at war with them. One of the most amazing statistics to me that I've read about in the last probably couple—yeah, two months. I think I read this two months ago. More people have left the church in America in the last 30 years than joined the church in, oh gosh, the— First Great Awakening, the Second Great Awakening, and all the Billy Graham Crusades totally combined. Is that not an astounding thing? Is it not astounding to think about 50% decline in church affiliation attendance in the last generation? Is it not an astounding thing? What was the other thing here? Um, He said, I'd have media—I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames— all with the promises of higher ratings. This is what we talk about when we talk about our crisis industrial complex here, that we were speaking about a little bit yesterday, right? It's amazing. So I'm sorry I didn't know that earlier. Um, a bit of uh, bit of preaching from 1975 or whatever, but it reminded me of this, and uh, at least on the on on something I can under, You know, I, I I can just appreciate a little bit better having to do with the social and domestic policies and our social and cultural condition. William Bennett used to put out um, the leading index of cultural indicators. Uh, He put it out as a little booklet, and one day a radio broadcaster got a hold of it and started quoting it. Heritage Foundation published it, and that uh, radio announcer, that radio broadcaster, a man by the name of Rush Limbaugh, started quoting from it. And the Heritage Foundation switchboard went nuts, uh, and they couldn't print enough copies. Um, Talking about these kinds of very things in America, we need a new index of leading cultural indicators. I would suggest, though, that uh, if Bill were to do this, Dr. Bennett were to do this again, it would have to maybe be titled something different in the first word, or second word, Index of Failing Cultural Indicators. Index of failing cultural indicators, and there would be a um, there'd be an awful lot to talk about. It'd have to be a bigger book. It'd have to be a bigger book. But he went through you know the conditions of our schools and education, and the conditions of fatherlessness, and the conditions of you know uh, uh,
0: uh,
1: uh, addictions and the conditions of drug use and all sorts of things. Family breakup, divorce, divorce. He got criticized for saying he thought was. Just as damaging and wreck, wrecking of families as uh, fatherlessness was, um, but I believe him to be correct about that. I, I believe if you're going to talk about one, you need to talk about the other. You need to talk about both. Um, they're they're uh, what David? You're throwing up your hands. Did something happen? Are we having a problem? <laughs> are we having? Are you having technical difficulties over there? <laughs> no. I'm having
2: people difficulties. You're having
1: people difficulties? That's, that's the problem with people. They'll sometimes let you down. They'll sometimes let you down. That's okay. Don't let it get to you. Don't get to you. let it get to you. It's a big country. Um, young people are letting us.
2: What? 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 Oh, I like that. I like that. Don't let it get to you. It's a big country.
1: Well, it's a big country meaning two things. I, I also learned that from Dr. Bennett once. I, it, it's a big country meaning two things. Um, there's a lot of weirdness in the world and you know you'll see something and there's something for everyone every every can has a lid after all and also it's a big country you know if someone lets you down find someone else who doesn't right you it's a big enough country for both things how did f scott fitzgerald put it in the great gatsby i was simultaneously enchanted and repelled by the inexhaustible variety of life you like that i was simultaneously enchanted and repelled by the inexhaustible variety of life. It explains a lot of things. But just remember, it's a big it's a big country, it's a big world. And um and there's a lot of disappointment going around right now. A ton. Um I was struck by something Kellyanne Conway said earlier on television today. People were declaiming the kind of speech and um genocidal ideation taking place on our college campuses. You know what she said? She said, sure, and we can blame these young people, and they should be blamed, but I'm also hearing it in the halls of Congress. That we should be very well aware of, too. Six zero two We'll be right back. Do you trust this economy? How about a secure investment that actually helps people? Why Refi has that? You can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market or the Fed. You're in control. You can turn your income on or off. You can pound it, whatever you like. And there are absolutely no fees. And you can have peace of mind. There's no attack on principle if you ever need your money back. You'll get your monthly statement with no surprises. And this is a secure and collateralized portfolio. Maybe a better option for you than where you have your money now. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or give them a call at 888 yrefi Twenty-four. Why Refi is based here locally. Their offices are on Chauncey Lane in North Phoenix. You can visit with them. I've been there many times. And when you do, you'll get no sales pitch and you won't be asked to sign anything. Folks all over the country are earning a high fixed rate of return with Why Refi, and they don't care about what happens with the stock market or the Fed because with Why Refi, you can do well by doing good. My friends at Why Refi are trustworthy. They're honest. They're great actors in our community great citizens, just go to investyrefi.com, that's invest, the letter Y, then R-E-F-Y.com, or give them a call at 888-Y-REFI-24, 888 y 24 and uh, make sure and tell them Seth sent you. You know, speaking of the church, uh, speaking of the decline in church attendance and affiliation, <clears throat> our good friend, uh, Professor Owen Anderson over at ASU, he's also at the phoenix seminary if i'm not uh, mistaken um he um he has an open letter on his current substack page um a call to action to pastors of the west valley about what's going on um at asu and what's going on at our universities and um I th- he he wrote on twitter yesterday that um he thinks it is um perhaps one of the most important things he's ever written. Um, And um, I wanted to give him time to unwind that with us. He's been a close follower and friend of the shows. And for all that we've been talking about with issues foreign and abroad, um, it's something where we can not only walk and chew gum at the same time, we must be able to walk and chew gum at the same time. For those that say problems abroad. To be sure, we have problems at home. It's not an either or, at least not to this guy, at least not to me. It's a both and an all. It's all our territory. It's all of it, as Lincoln said. So Owen Anderson's going to talk to us about his open letter to
0: church leaders. We'll be right back.